Okay, I think it worked. Let me double check. I think we're I think we're good now. Great. Okay, give me one second. Uh, let's just go wait for it to connect here. Yep, I I think we are working actually. Great. So you ready to start then? I am. Let's go. All right. Uh, welcome to Bon Jovi Discussion. Today I am talking with a woman who does not need any kind of introduction. She's an amazing violinist, a great vocalist, and she has worked with many, many artists, including Bon Jovi, and has her own solo album. Today I have the one and only talented Lorenza Ponce. How are you doing today, Lorenza? I'm great, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Thank you in for coming on. Very, in these very strange times. Yeah, and like like you said, there's nothing better to do right now, right? Right. I already went into the beehives, and yeah, we have lots of time, so it's it'll be it's a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you too. Uh, before we continue, I have your permission to record and upload to YouTube. Of course. Okay, great. Um, so the first question I have for you is what and who inspired you to learn the violin, and how did you learn to play? I was inspired to play the violin because they brought instruments to my school when I was a kid, and it was part of the school program. So they brought all, you know, trumpets and and clarinets and all kinds of things, flutes, and uh, there was the violin, and I just... I just fell in love with it. I just looked at it and I said, I want to play that. And I went home to my parents and told them I wanted to play the violin. And um, they were slightly horrified just because when you start a violin, it sounds really terrible. So, um, but they said, they said yes. And, um, and, and so I, I started taking lessons at school, you know, in, in my elementary school. And, uh, and I just loved it. I mean, I can still see it. I, I mean, I can still see the very first day I got that violin. I can still see myself walking into my dad's study and show it, and opening the case and letting him see it, you know. And it was all red velvet, and the violin was just so beautiful and shiny. Do, do you so, still have your first violin? I don't, know, Because at no. that time, it was a rental, you know. And kids still do this. You rent when you first start. Because 99% of kids who start instruments don't continue. Yeah. So, I, actually, I, don't quote me on that. I don't know if it's 99%, but it's a but, very high number. It's a very oh, high I'm number. Sure. It takes some dedication to do it. Yeah, and that's it. It takes dedication, and and to be a musician, you have to – it has to be a calling. It has to be the only thing you want to do. At that moment in your life, obviously, um, because the the amount of work you have to put in just to get into music school is enormous. And then once you're in music school, then that workload is enormous. And then to have a career in the music business, the workload is enormous, and the dedication is enormous. So it's it isn't the uh, it isn't a profession that I recommend to just anyone. You have to. Be extremely dedicated. Wow. So, what was the kind of music then that you would you would learn when you were first starting to play? Or did you just like learn, you know, the basic music scales and notes and learning the theory yeah. of music? 
Yeah, because I started in public school, so I didn't really get – I got a private teacher after maybe a few years of playing and, and just band class is really what it was because was, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and um, they didn't really have orchestras. They just had band. So the band teacher taught me the notes on the violin, and then when I got to middle school or junior high, depending on where you're from, which, where, what you call it, uh, I started to take private lessons, and as well as play in the band because they didn't have an orchestra. But um, that's when I started to learn technique. And then when I outgrew that person, when I got to high school, I started studying with someone from the Baltimore Symphony. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where I really made progress. You know, because she was a Juilliard graduate, she she wow. really knew what she was, yeah she really knew what she was doing. So that's when so really my training was very late. All of my training was late. Um, so I feel extremely lucky and for you know fortunate that I've had the career I've had when I really didn't learn to play correctly till later and you know later. A lot of kids start when they're five, and they start with incredible teachers and this and that. But I didn't have that. But when I, what I had, though, was the love and the drive. And I knew, even when I was a, little, a kid, that I was going to be a rock violinist. I knew it. Don't ask me how. I just I loved rock and roll, and I loved the violin. And I, and I just knew I was going to put the two together. When you were, you know, learning to play and stuff, and you said you wanted to be like a rock violinist, do you think there was a lot of songs out there at the time that there was a lot of violin in? No, not at all. There was the only ones I knew of. Now there were other people, other there were like there were jazz groups, but I didn't know about them because I was too young. So the only band I knew that had a violin was Kansas. Wow. And. So, of course, you know, I learned all the Kansas songs, and all my friends th- thought I was really good because um, I could play the Kansas songs. But um, but that, that's all I knew. So there there really wasn't a, plan, a path for me. So I had to go to – I went to conservatory in New York, which music school, full-on music school. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, and – that was good for me and not good for me. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I realized that I needed more than just music. I wanted some academics and, you know, other things. Oh, so, right. but one thing it did do was it drove me, once I was, once I was out of school, I, it, you know, I jumped right into the club scene and it really drove me to do rock and roll. Cause I knew that's what I wanted. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it it just made me know that I did not want to be a classical violin player. Wow. So the, the, so then my question becomes then, you know, like, you know, define successful, but like how, you know, how did you know you became successful as a professional violinist? Like when did you realize that this is it? This is your life? This is what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Well, what happened is I became successful very quickly. And I was in the clubs. So basically, you know, I had to make a living, so I bartended. 
for three years. And in that time, oh, I was I was playing in rock bands, and I was playing with everyone I could play with. And wow. I got some big breaks. I I met a girl who is still one of my dearest friends, whose manager was also this new age artist, Kataro, who was this really famous guy in the uh, 80s and 90s, you know, and basically, and he's still well known in Japan and, and, and in certain circles, but back then he was, he was really well known. And, wow. and uh, he was a, he was a new age keyboard player. So he always had a violinist with him. So I got an audition for him and I got the gig. So that was my first tour. But prior to that, I, um, I had started, okay, I went with my friend to a Kataro concert, and John Anderson from Yes was singing with Kataro at the show. Wow, that is cool. And I, yes, and I, and I went to the party afterwards with my friend, and um, we, I, we met John. And we ended up sitting, talking, I ended up talking to John for quite a while and told him I was a violinist and, and all this. So he was intrigued. So he, you know, sometime later, a few months, he came, he was back in New York and he was making a record. And he asked me to come in, asked me if I wanted to play. And I went in and I played on the record and I, he was blown away. And he said, you know, you should be a solo artist. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I got together with a friend of mine, and we started to write music. And I swear to God, it clicked, and it turns out I was good at it, and I didn't know that. And I, and I ended up getting signed to Angel EMI Records after about a year, you know, yeah. of doing this. So... I got signed to my to a major label deal, and I got my first tour, all in one year, and that wow. went. So that I was, I that was a success. I was making money, and I was going to make a record, and and that's when I said, okay, well, this is obviously what I'm supposed to be doing because it happened. That's amazing. Yeah, I I have um oh, I think it's called Mystic Fiddler. I have. That's my second record, right? The one I did for Angel EMI is called Imago. Oh, that was your first one. Okay. Yes, Imago is the first record. Well, yeah. the the Mystic Fiddler album is is really good. I bought that I think a few years ago, and that's a great album. I loved it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. So, when so how did uh, playing with John Bon Jovi happen? Like, when did that all first? You know, how did it happen and all that? Okay, so that was. Very specifically, John was looking for a violinist who could sing for a for this event called A Tribute to Heroes, and it was after 9-11. Wow. So 9-11 happened, and obviously everything stopped, kind of like right now, but that was just specific to, well, to New York, although everyone, no one could fly anywhere in the country. So I guess it was, yeah, it was a countrywide event um so he wanted someone to play and play and sing 
so uh, a friend of mine called me up and said, you know, you want to do this thing? I said, sure. And um, so it was living on a prayer. And I went down to the studio because it was basically live to like a billion people the first time I ever played with John and Richie. It was John, Richie, and Everett. Wow. And there was no rehearsal. And I basically walked in. Really? No rehearsals? No, we just ran through it once oh my gosh. For, the ca- for the camera and for the sound, and then we did it. And now I know that that's the way John does things. You know, at the time, I just thought, oh, my God, really? We're not going to rehearse this thing? But now, and John always thought that was really, it's funny, you know, because I'm, I'm someone who likes to rehearse. Yeah. He, rehears- he rehearses more now. There was a time when he did not rehearse. Forget about it. You would not rehearse. Yeah, now the- he'll I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say that you know the the perfectionist that that, that uh, you know I respect that the, the perfectionist that he is and you know he always likes things to be perfect. You'd think that he would rehearse. You know, so I find that interesting that they didn't rehearse for that. Right. Exactly. Me too. I was. I was. It was so scary. Yeah. So yeah. we basically, you know, basically we just ran through it and then we did it for a billion people and it was. It turned out it was one of those musical relationships that worked with us. Like I was a, a fit for them, for that band, because I naturally played the notes he wanted to hear and I sang the harmonies he wanted. And, you know, because we, like I said, we didn't, I just started singing and I just started playing whatever it was and it worked. So after that, I did a, a lot more benefit concerts with them. And wow. uh, and then that was it. That was the beginning. Uh, he would hire me for corporate stuff with the band and, you know, whenever it was appropriate. You know, whenever, you know, he it, it was for a fancy dinner or something and he wanted just to bring out the violin for a song, you know, then we would do that. Or if it was a TV show. So I yeah, so I started working with him. So when the tour came along for Lost Highway, it was a very natural uh, choice for him to call me for that because I'd already worked with them for, what, six years already. And you recorded on the album too, right? I did not, no. Oh, you... That was that was done in Nashville. And okay. that was, yeah, I don't even know who did that. It might be Stuart. I can't remember his last name. But, yeah, this, there's a really amazing fiddler guy down there that they usually would use for that okay yeah i always wonder i always wondered if you played on the album but i'm surprised you didn't but um so anyway as you as you were saying with the the lost highway tour right right so that was just natural so that's why they asked me to do it uh because i've been working with them for so long already so and obviously you guys rehearsed a lot for that before the tour correct yes so, so, um, so obviously you had to learn like the whole discography, you know, from you know their albums from '84 up until 2007. So, how difficult was it to learn how to play some of those other songs? I don't know if you. I think you did a lot more backing vocals on other songs that didn't really need a violin in. Correct. correct. Yeah. So there were some songs that they didn't need vocal or violin on, and there were some songs that John wanted to add the violin. You know, just because he likes the violin. Um, and 
And then there were songs that had string lines, so we they were naturally, you know, we would add violin for that. Um, and then, of course, from the Lost Highway songs, they already had fiddle, and there were vocals on it. So there was a lot of material. It was very difficult. It was very it was so much work. And wow. um, it was trial and error, you know, some stuff. Look, music is not an exact science ever, you know. And so we had a list of songs that we thought the violin would work on, and then we rehearsed it, and then we would perform it, and then we would decide whether it worked or not. So, you know, some songs we kept me on, and sometimes some songs we didn't, and some songs we added me to later. So, you know, that's the thing about music. It's it's always changing. It's a living, breathing phenomenon. Sure is. So that's what's so great about it. And that's what's great about working with John is he, he he's open to trying things and and uh, he's fine with you know changing some stuff. So what what was it like then to be like on stage every night with the whole band? You know, first and you know you always just playing with John. Like what was it like to work with Tico and David and Richie and all them, Bobby? Well, I'd already known Bob. I already had already worked with Bobby, but um, it was great. I love them. They are really fun. It, the thing about a band like Bon Jovi, it's like a band like Bon Jovi, U2, um, these really, really high-end, there's a few of them. You know, you can count them on one or two hands, these bands that are this big and have been around for this long. So the level of performance that is expected is different from anything else I have done. Okay. Um, you know, I already toured with Cheryl Crow, the Dixie Chicks, Hollow Notes. Um, so I've done a lot of touring and performing with artists already. And these artists were amazing to tour with. I, you know, I loved every minute of it. Cheryl's a, Cheryl is an incredible musician. She that really Dixie is. Chicks, the Dixie Chicks tour was incredible. Um, but this Bon Jovi is a rock band, and it's a whole other thing. So I had to kind of become – I became one of the boys is what it was. You have to be one of the boys. They, you know, they don't want to hear any whining, and you you just have to know your stuff, go out there and play, do your job, and, you know, have a – have a cocktail with, with everybody after afterwards. You know what I mean? Hang out. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's good. So so then how did the whole, you know, JBJ and because that was after the Lost Highway Tour, obviously. How did the whole JBJ and KOS form? You know, when did that happen? Well, I think it gradually happened. I think that what happened is they did a Bobby had put a band together for John for something, and um, I, I wasn't in that. I think it started as like a corporate thing, like or like a fan show or something like that. And then I think John had such a good time 
that I think it was around 2013, he wanted to really start a band of, you know, that kind of band. Cause we'd always had an acoustic group that I'd been working. So that's why I knew Bobby. I've been doing stuff with Bobby and Jeff Z with John, you know, even before the lost highway tour. So Bobby and I had played together a lot. Cause you do know, you know, Bob, you know, how John has two groups. He has the acoustic group and then he has the Kings of suburbia. Right. So, right. So the acoustic group had been around as long as I had, known John had been working with him so but then he loved this big band thing he he you know with the horns and and just the cover tunes and let's have fun so that was I think started around 2013 and he wanted to add the violin because he wanted to do who says and lost highway and he wanted to do all these songs and and then we were able to, and plus I was singing background vocals, and um, so that's really when the, the the Kings of Suburbia proper started. Wow! Back then. And, and and to be honest with you, I love those those shows. I've seen quite a few KOS shows, and I, I was on the cruise too. And it's just as a massive Bon Jovi fan, it, it's so cool to kind of see John in a different atmosphere, and in a different more like an intimate setting, like the Q and A's and the like the acoustic set. Um, it's, it's cool to see you guys do covers and then do some Bon Jovi hits. It's like a whole new rendition of those songs. So it, it's, it's interesting, yeah. you know, and he, uh, he loves it. And it, he's, he's so much more relaxed with the KOS and, and the acoustic thing, you know, because I think that Bon Jovi band, I mean, I'm not speaking for him in any way, shape or form. But right. I think it's more pressure because it's he, he there are more people he's responsible for. It's, to be the right. CEO of that of his company is it's a lot of pressure. You know, got a, lot a lot of, of people. Yeah, a lot of people counting on you. And the yeah. KOS is fun because it's a one-off or two. You know, you do one or two shows and then we all just go away. You know, and, yeah. and so. <laughs> So when we when we come back to play again, it's just like, woo, let's play a show, you know. And we will rehearse it, we'll rehearse, and then we'll go do the show. So it's really, really fun, really fun. Yeah, you know. And, and speaking of you know fun, this, I went on the Caribbean cruise, and um, I remember I would watch you guys both days practice and rehearse. And, and obviously John wasn't there to rehearse with you guys. So you guys came on stage with your equipment. And you guys would test things out. And you guys were working hard on, on just rehearsing. And then, you know, like I said a little bit ago, you know, both those shows were just amazing. You know, I, I loved seeing the acoustics at the first night. Then the second night, you know, that show was just incredible. You know, and and watching you play that violin, I mean, you, you rocked it. You know, what, what was your experience like for the cruise? What was what? What was your experience like for the cruise? You know, oh, was... my gosh, I loved it. We loved it. And, I, and Jerry, let me tell you something. That is saying something. Because I was so not into doing this cruise. I had never done a really? cruise. No, I had never done oh a cruise. Oh, my gosh. I, right. I'd always been afraid to do a cruise. And um, I didn't want to do it. And, of course, we ended up doing it and I take it all back 
and I, I told everybody, I said, oh, my God, I take it all back. I'm so sorry. It was absolutely fantastic. The, the Bahamas thing, we loved every minute of it. I couldn't wait to get to Spain. We loved every minute of that. And I wish John would do another one. I mean, in a couple of years, obviously, after this whole corona nonsense is over with. But, um, I mean, I don't know if he will or not. But I would, I would love it if he would because it was just so fun. We all loved it. We all just loved it. Yeah, you know, like you said, you know, I, I hope John will do it one day too because, you know, myself and, and other diehard fans, you know, it was just great to be able to ha- finally have a Bon Jovi-themed cruise with other diehard fans and, you know, seeing those KOS shows. and It was, it was great. You know, I had a talk with the captain on one of the cruises. I think it might have been the Bahamas. Um, and he was telling me that the Bon Jovi fans were the best people that they had had on the cruise ship, that they were so well-behaved and that everyone was so nice. And it was obvious everyone was just having a good time and they were all like, it was like hive mind, you know, everyone was just <laughs> like, we're, we're here for Bon Jovi. Yay. It's all about love. You know? <laughs> so yeah, he loved it. He loved having everybody on. Wow. That, that, that is great. And, you know, another thing I didn't realize too until recently was I didn't know you did the string arrangement for, um, this goes off topic for the, the cruise, obviously. I didn't know that you did the string arrangement for blind love on the Burning Bridges album. I did, and I also did the string arrangement for Real Love on this house. Is this, this house is not for sale? Yeah. Is that the record? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I just learned that today, <laughs> <did>, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, John, you know, the way John does that is he just, he just, he, he just emails me. He, that's what, how he does things. He just emails you and says, here's a track. I need a string arrangement. Wow. Okay. And you just write back and go, okay. <laughs> you know, and then it takes me a week or whatever, or, you know, and then I'll send him a version, and then he makes his comments, and then I fix it, and then he says, love it, and then I recorded it for him. So that was all me on the records, too, playing. Oh, wow. I just learned, you know, just recently that you did um, Blind Love, and I just learned two seconds ago that you, that you did Real Love. Which are, which yeah. are both both good songs. I personally prefer um, "Blind Love" a little more. But as, how long did it take you to do the string arrangement of those songs? Well, I would say a week of writing it, and then he had me do some changes on both, and then I the changes took you know a day. And then wow. uh, once I got the okay on it, I recorded it. And that took two days to record because I had to do multiple tracks of violin and viola. Wow. Uh, and then I would hire a cellist to come in. Okay. So it, it wasn't like a, a huge long process. It was maybe like a couple weeks. Correct. Correct. Nice. Wow. So before we get to Saving the Bees discussion, which I think is a very important topic to talk about, what is your favorite song to play with John as far as a Bon Jovi song and a cover? 
Oh my gosh, and a cover. Yeah, um, one that you, that you look forward to every night playing. Well, I mean, if I didn't say the Bob O'Reilly solo, I'd be a liar. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love doing that. But um, as far as what other cover do I love? Oh, gosh, I love a lot of them. I love The Letter. Oh, I love I'm Your Man. I think he does I'm Your Man so well. I love, um, uh, oh, what's the YouTube song? Yay, yay, yay. Oh, I know. I know. Which, I, um, I can't name it either. I know which one oh you're talking gosh. about, though. So. What's wrong with me? It, it, it'll, um, it'll come to me after this phone conversation, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um. When love comes to town, when love comes to town. Okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love doing that. I love doing that song. I love because Leon and John and all three of us are up front, and it's really, really fun. So I love doing that song. Um, as far as his songs, um, you're going to laugh. But my favorite song to sing or play with him is Every Word with a Piece of My Heart. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I, and he, do you love I, that song? I, I love that you just said that because the Destination Anywhere album is just incredible. I was I was kind of thinking you were going to like say Living on Prayer or something like that's a hit, but I am so happy that you said every word it was a piece of my heart. That's yeah. an incredible song. It's an incredible song, and it's so much fun to sing and play. And I he rarely does it. I have to like you know beg him to do it when we do it. And he still says no most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, that's my favorite song to perform. Wow. Yeah, I, I I was kind of crossing my fingers, too, on the cruise last year to see him or, or for you guys to do something off the Destination album. And it, it didn't happen, but I was kind of hoping for every word. So I'm kind of really happy that you said that because that's kind of a song that kind of gets forgotten about. That's a great song. Um, yeah. My favorite song that you guys cover though on stage would be "Old Time Rock and Roll." I just, I just love it, especially like when Le, Le, Leon uh, she comes and, and sings with John. I just, I love that. Then the whole, um, the trumpet players and all, you know, they come up front yeah. and do, do a it's jam. Hysterical! I know. I yeah. love it too. It's so funny when they all are out there and, you know, yeah, it's great. And, great. And it, and one of the reasons why I do love that so much is because, like I was saying a little bit ago, it's during those shows, that's when John is so relaxed and just having fun. And that song right there proves that he's just there having fun. And it, it's it's cool to see that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, it's so much fun. Look, those shows are a blast. I miss are. playing so much. I miss playing so much with people, with them. That's been the hardest thing for me. Uh, I mean, look. We have no problem. We are safe. We are well. We are home. Uh, so we can't complain at all. But I I do really, really miss my peeps playing with people. Yeah, you know, and hopefully, you know, the, the time comes that, you know, shows are happening again. And it's, just, it's, a, it's a scary time in the world right now. And, you know, I mean, there's articles saying that, you know, Concerts aren't going to happen until at least next year, and you know, as as well that it should be for, to keep people safe. It, it, it's also a shame that we have to wait that long for shows and entertainment. And 
Uh, I know. I don't even know what to think about that. I'm just yeah. taking it one day at a time and hoping that that is not the case. Yeah, uh, I hope it's not the case either. You know, a lot of yeah. bands are are just canceling their summer and uh, fall plans now. So, but you know, it, and uh, you know, I noticed on your social media that you're a huge advocate on saving bees, which I think is incredible. And I hate to sound dumb here, but you've brought a lot of awareness to me regarding bees, and and I never knew how vital and essential bees were to our planet, let alone amazing creatures. And I was doing a lot of research today. And I didn't even realize a single bee can pollinate like 300 million flowers a day, which yeah. I think I think is incredible. What what got you into the whole the whole bee thing? My father had bees, and so I never took care of the bees or really had. I don't really even have an awareness of the bees much when I was growing up. But I do know that honey appeared, buckets of honey would appear every summer, <laughs> miraculously yes. in the kitchen. And I love honey. Yeah. And it was, and I just couldn't believe it when I was a kid. You know, we'd bake fresh bread and, and then we would put fresh honey on it. So my father, you know, fell in 2014 and couldn't take care of anything on the farm. So the sisters are you know, three of us had to take over the farm duties. And wow. he had one hive. And because bees, really, you only need to check on them every couple of weeks, I'm the one that did the bees. Because of my life, I, there was no way I could be here, you know, very much. Because I was always traveling and doing this and that. So I took a bee class just so I would have some kind of idea what in the heck? Because I had no idea what to do. Zero. zero you, were going in, zero. you were going in blind pretty much. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and I, they, the very beginning of the class, they showed a video about honeybees. And I was hooked in 30 seconds. I was just like you. You're, you know, you think you are, you are ignorant about bees. I was really ignorant about bees. I just didn't know anything about them. And I was hooked. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how beautiful they are, you know, because they had, they showed this video of, of like, really up close, like some really high-tech videos. You could see them flying. You could see everything about them when they were collecting the pollen and everything. And I was hooked. And then it just turned out that I'm good at it. I took a couple more classes. I took a class at Rutgers University. And I took an online class from the University of Pennsylvania that they have. And um, and then I just jumped in. We bought another hive. Then I would have two hives. And I started doing it. And I was not good at it, obviously. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I just I found this mentor of this really incredible guy, this old guy, he's still my mentor. And he is the one that changed my beekeeping. He showed me how to do it. He showed me what to look for. He showed me how to read the frames when you pull the frames out of the hive. And that's when I started to become a beekeeper. And five years later, here I am. My mentor can't come here and help because we're social distancing and he's older and he has to be very careful 
Yeah. So I am doing it all by myself. Yeah. I, I don't know. Time. Yeah. I don't know how how full of protective gear that you wear, but I'm don't you get stung quite often? Or <laughs> no, well actually, yeah, you do. Yes, even with the bee suit. So I wear a bee suit and I wear gloves. I didn't always wear gloves because, you know, and I, you know what, when you start, I don't think you should wear gloves because what happens is when you use your bare hands, you learn how to move really, really slowly in the hive because bees don't want to sting you because when they sting you, they die. So it's not like a wasp or a hornet or something. They can sting you multiple times and they live. Oh, okay. But, I didn't know that. But honey... Yes. I thought they all died. No, they don't. Okay. Honeybees die. So um, so when I started learning, I didn't wear any gloves. And so I learned how to move really slowly so not to upset the bees. But, you know, as time goes on, you can't help it. Sometimes you'll put your hand in there and you'll just touch a bee and it gets scared and it stings you. So... I had to start wearing gloves because I, it's hard to play violin when you've got these things on your hands, you know. Oh, yeah. um, but sometimes I'll still get stung through the through the uh, suit, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm doing like a really, really have to go in the hive and do some kind of like a swarm manipulation, like what, what I'm doing right now, I've been stung twice through the gloves and through the suit because of doing these extreme manipulations of the hive. Wow. And that's just natural, you know. Yeah. It just is what it is. They can I mean, I don't know how thick your gloves and your suit is, but they can really go through your whole suit like that with their stinger? Yes. Very yeah. it, now I have like a high tech suit. It has several layers and and it, it you know, there's different types of suit, but mine is pretty high tech. So it's hard, really is hard for them to sting through a suit. It is hard. And the gloves I have leather gloves and it's hard for them to sting through that. But if they really try, and and if it if it's just your fingers in just the right spot, they can get you. Wow. And another thing that I think is really important, and this is what brought me awareness of of the bees last week or so. You posted a photo of a dandelion, and you were talking about how vital they were as food for bees due to the pollen. And you were mentioning about not putting weed killer on lawns because of the pesticides and herbicides, which are killers to the honeybees. Um, and I'm glad you said that because every year I get my lawn sprayed with pesticides and herbicides. And this was the year that I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that because it made me research a lot more. And pesticides is a, is a huge killer to these bees. Yes. Yes. And thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much for not spraying your yard this year and this is what you know i i swear to god i feel like it's a calling you know i'm the i'm the last person on the planet that should have been a beekeeper seriously you know um and i never i mean i don't even like to get dirty you know what i mean but now i've become like this girl that will go out there and like be in a suit and sweat and like you know do the bee thing and (laughs) schlep boxes and get sticky from all the honey and you know but i think it's a calling just like the violin was uh, this is a, some kind of calling that i was supposed to learn this and tell people and bring awareness to this you know 
how important these insects and pollinators are to us. And yeah. and that pe- people don't understand. They don't know that you can't you shouldn't put, be putting Roundup. All of these most of these uh lawn groomers that you have come over put Roundup and stuff on your on your lawn to make it beautiful, quote unquote, and they kill everything. They kill everything. Yeah. And it's that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem with a colony collapse of the honeybee is, is because they don't have anywhere to go. They don't – everywhere is poison. And it's very much the same feeling. Like I can relate to these bees now. We have a silent killer out there that's killing everyone in the world called the coronavirus. And it's right. trying to kill us. And this is – it's a silent killer. This is exactly what's happening to the bees and pollinators is – the, the things we're doing to the planet are silently killing these bees because they don't know. They go to these flowers and they don't know they've been sprayed. And, and they end up killing them. They, yes, and they take all these poison back to the hive. Oh, so, that, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, and like I just said a little bit ago, I didn't even realize that a single bee colony, you know, pollinates up to 300 million flowers. I mean, that's a lot of flowers. Yes. That's that's it's, crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, so it, I think it's every, I think it's one in every three bites of food we take is pollinated by pollinators. You know, you, you, we need pollinators. Right. To eat. You know, and another thing too that since I was doing a lot more research and stuff is that how important it is to support your your luck your local uh, beekeepers. You know, I started buying honey from local beekeepers and like they even do soaps and candles i didn't even know that yes so shows you how ignorant I, I was well it's okay i mean it you know you only know what you know so you know if i was able to open your eyes to like you know go buy some go to your farmer's market and buy some honey and then you also see that they make all this other cool stuff hurrah you know yeah. I've, I've touched one life Woo! yeah yeah i i couldn't believe it because the, the you know it was a decent sized store and I've always passed it. I'm like, what the hell do they sell in these stores that is as a beekeeper as a beekeeper? And I walked in and they have jars and jars of honey and it's the best honey I've ever tasted. And they had soaps and lotions and all that. And, you know, it, it's vital to support these local beekeepers because that mm-hmm. money helps to support what they do. And that's right. And you know, I sell my honey, I'm sure you've noticed online, I sell my honey. Um and people that sells out every year and people are so supportive to buy it because that every bit of that money goes into a bank account that's for the bees. And that's what we use that money for is we buy equipment like boxes. You have to buy frames, foundation. Um, It buys organic seed to plant things like uh, you know, like I, if you saw any of my videos, you saw that we planted rapeseed last year. We plant buckwheat. These are all clo- clover. These are all things that you have to plant to help the bees sustain themselves. So that's all part of it is wow. raise, raising healthy bees. And so when people buy that honey that I sell, that's where that money goes. And it's it's just incredible. It's so important. It means so much to me that people do support that. I did not know that you 
sold your own honey. So I am actually going to go buy some. Where For people that are listening right now, where could we go to buy it? You said on your website? Well, no, actually, I'm working on a new website, which isn't up yet. Okay. And, that will, okay. and that will have – yeah, my old website, which is still up, doesn't have a link to honey. But what I do is I usually post on Facebook uh, when it's for sale. And okay. And I take orders, and it's a first-come, first-served thing. And it happens in at the end of June, beginning of July is when I do it. And it usually sounds, sells out very quickly. Um, and I just take, you know, I write down everyone's name and, you know, send them an invoice and whatever. That's usually how I do it. Now, with this new website, we're going to be able to have people just order from it online. And, okay. And that way, yeah. But um, – that doesn't happen until the honey season is over, so that's around June. When I that's when I know how much I got and how much I have to sell. Okay. But our honey, you know, Jerry, my honey has done very well. I mean, I've won blue ribbons at several times at the state level in Maryland for the best honey. Well, as soon as you have some for sale, I am going to buy. I'm going to buy a bulk <laughs> order, <laughs> and I'm going to try it. Oh, you know what? One other thing I wanted to say. Well, thank you for that. One other thing I wanted to say is that, uh, you know, people uh, can plant bee-friendly stuff in their yards, and it's really beautiful stuff. Like you can plant peonies. um, You can plant lavender. If you've never had a lavender bush, you cannot believe how beautiful a lavender bush is. You can plant marigolds, um, black-eyed Susans, sage. A sage plant is gorgeous, and plant and bees love it. You can plant chives and thyme and oregano. So there are so many wonderful bee-friendly, pollinator-friendly plants that you can plant around your yard that will bring color. And then, and you'll just love hearing all these like bumblebees and honeybees and all these. It'll just it's, it makes your yard so alive and beautiful. And, and another thing, too, to add to that is I was watching a video about um, this person who they create their own bee bath. You know, they put, like, a bunch of stones in water for these bees to kind of sit on top of these little stones so they're able to, to drink water. Yes, we have them here, too, and that's exactly right. You take, like, a bird bath or you take, like, a some sort of a pan, ceramic or something, and you you can put marbles in it. You can put stones in it. You can even put corks, like um, – wine bottle corks you can float them in it and you just fill, keep it filled with water and then the bees have something they can stand on because they, they'll drown pretty easily so you have to have stuff they can stand on and right. and that's and that's great because then they don't have to go far or if they're tired they can stop and get a drink of water and then move on to get home wow that's interesting. And like I said, too, you know, when when you get um, your honey up and running and stuff, I'm going to pay attention to your Facebook, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely I'm going to buy a bulk order. Um, so Thank you. Was there anything else you wanted to say about bees? Cause I, like I said, I think it's very important, and I'm kind of glad you brought some awareness to it because I never realized how important this is. Um, no, I think that we covered <laughs> – the important topics, you know, the main thing is don't put that stuff on your yard. Yeah. Don't. Tell your friends. Tell your no, friends. 
I have. I, I've told my colleagues, my friends, you know, like I said, this is the first year that I have never put any kind of pesticides or herbicides on our lawn. I was just telling my fiance that the other day. I see, I was kind of educating her about it too. And it's, it's right. The stuff kills the bees. So, you know, um, they have little signs that you can buy that for, you know, because I know some people live in neighborhoods where it's, you know, kind of stuffy and, Everyone's expected to have the perfect this and the perfect that. You know, we we kind of we we need to have a new paradigm of what is considered beautiful. You know, instead of a perfectly flat green lawn, you know, a, a lawn of dandelions or and wild, you know, young wildflowers is the most beautiful thing you can have. But they have these signs you can buy, like this is a bee friendly yard or this is a pollinator friendly yard if you stick that in there everyone will understand what what you're doing and why you're doing it and then there's no way they can possibly say anything to you otherwise they'll be a big jerk <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna like you were saying a little bit ago i'm gonna plant some black eyed susans and some sage and you know stuff that's healthy for these bees and you know other insects yeah. and lavender get some lavender you lavender, love yeah. the lavender the lavender lavender um, well, Lorenza, I really sincerely thank you for coming on today and, you know, talking about everything. And uh, it, it was truly great and really an honor to be able to sit here and chat with you. And I so just great to, to talk everyone. to you, Jerry. And, you know, I hope you and your family stay safe. And, you know, I hope to see you somewhere on, on a stage soon. Yes, definitely. You stay safe and, um, and stay positive. All right. Thank you, Lorenza. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.